Well, turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're continuing, of course, our study of Paul's letter to Timothy. Paul's giving instructions not only to Timothy individually, but also to the church at Ephesus so that these believers, as he says back in chapter 3, that they would know how to conduct themselves in the body of Christ. We've seen a lot in these last few chapters. He's dealt with appointing elders and deacons, false teachers. He talked about pursuing godliness. He talked about being an example. He talked about the idea of coming together, that when we gather, we come together to to, uh, read the Word of God, to teach the Word of God, to apply the Word of God. He even talked about uh, Timothy and his personal ministry, about his spiritual gifts and his growth. Well, this morning, Paul moves into the area of relationships, relationships in the body. In fact, almost the rest of the letter, chapter 5 and 6, are going to deal with various relationships in the body. And as we look at this, we're going to see that the, the believers are a family, that we're like brothers and sisters in the Lord and in the body of Christ. And so we're going to see that. And so our relationship, in that relationship, we need to honor and respect each other. And we're going to see what he says about that. But this morning, there's also another area that Paul talks on that is not mentioned usually very much, and that is the widows in the church. And those are those who have lost their husband. What's the church responsibility to the widows? Um, he gives really an entire section on it, and we'll see how it fits together. We want to gain some, some very practical aspects of the Word of God. So there's a lot here as we go through it this morning. Well, a number of years ago, and it's been a good number of years, I was on my day off on a Monday, and I got a call from a man that was formerly in a church that I used to go to in Borger, Texas. While I was at Dallas Seminary, I was assistant pastor in Borger, Texas. Of course, I was here, and and this man had moved his family to Guthrie, and he calls me, and he said, Hey, I I remember you being in Stillwater. I'm bringing my mother up to the doctor in Stillwater. You want to meet? And I said, Sure, I'll be glad to meet you. So we met, and while his mom was in the doctor's office, we talked, and, and he told me, about his church, and he talked about this issue. He said, widows, we're dealing with it in our church. In fact, we are forming a committee to deal with the issue of widows. Then he looked at me, and he made this statement. He said, you know, it's the church's responsibility to take care of the widows. And so i got a question this morning for you. Is it the church's responsibility to take care of all the widows? What are we to do? In fact, as we look at this passage, we're going to see that there are two groups of widows. There are what we call, what the Bible calls widows, and then widows indeed. What does that mean? What's the difference? What does the Bible say about believers and responsibility to widows? We need to see that. As we continue in this study, we're going to dig into that area, and we're going to talk about relationships as well. And that's what Paul does. He moves into the area. And I said earlier that most of the rest of the letter deals with relationships. In fact, he's going to deal with things like this. He's going to talk about men and women, both older and younger. He's going to talk about widows. He's going to talk about elders. He's going to talk about slaves. He's going to come back and, again, deal with false teachers, even more details. We've already seen false teachers at least three different times in the letter because that's what he's dealing with. Now, I want you to understand that relationships are the key within the body because the church is made up of people. I mean, that's what the, the church, you are the church. Sometimes people will say to me, they say, hey, JB, where is your church? I know what they mean. They mean, where is the building that your church meets in? I'm sometimes tempted to say, scattered all over the town. But the truth is, the church is the believers, it's the body, it's, it's relationships. And relationships are the most important thing in your life. Now, a lot of people are confused. And in our world, people think that the most important thing is money and possessions and, and power and, and, and all those kind of things. But what it boils down to is the most important thing in life is relationships. Your relationship with God, your relationship with your family, and your relationship with your friends. When you're dying, you're not going to care about jobs and cars and anything like that. You're going to care about your relationship with God. You want your family with you and your friends. That's what it boils down to. So relationships are the key. The body is made up of relationships. As we meet together on Sunday mornings, we come together as relationships. 
Sometimes there's a lack of unity and harmony within the body. Sometimes there is. We are to love one another unconditionally. I said this in the first service. Now, let me say this. We are to love one another unconditionally. I did not say we are to like everybody. There are some people in your life that you just don't fit personality-wise. You may say they're a nice person. I just, if I have to go get pizza, I don't want to go with them, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. But what the Scripture says is you are to love one another. And that's a totally different thing. Love means that you will do whatever it takes to help meet those person's needs. Love never keeps a record of wrongs. So you may not like somebody personally, but love is that you will do whatever it takes. You'll be used by God to do whatever it takes. So we're going to talk about relationships. In fact, Philippians 2 says, don't look out for the things of yourself, look out for others. Ephesians 4 says, forgive one another. We must work at relationships within the body. Let me break down the passage for you this morning. I want you to see it. First of all, in verses 1 and 2, we're going to talk about relationships by talking about older and younger men and women. So older men, younger men, older women, younger women, ways to treat each other. Then beginning at verse 3 and 3 through 5 this morning, there's a lot more. We'll just see this this morning. He's going to talk about widows within the body. How all that fits together. And some of you may say, well, I, why do I need to know that? Well, you need to know that because as a local body, we need to know exactly what we're supposed to do. And as you go through life, there are going to be situations in which you'll deal with this sort of thing. Now, as we think about widows, let me raise some questions, okay? Number one, who, who is a widow and who is a widow indeed? Because the Bible talks about a widow and a widow indeed. What's the difference? Second, whose responsibility is it to provide, protect, and take care of the widows? Whose responsibility? And are, number three, are all widows under the protection of the church? That's the question. So we're going to see how this fits together. It's very, very practical. Let's begin because, first of all, Paul deals with relationships. He deals with older and younger men and older and younger women. Now, I want you to think about something. Paul had been in Ephesus with Timothy. Timothy, That's a church, a big church. Paul left Timothy in Ephesus. He goes to Macedonia, but he leaves Timothy there to do certain things. He is to deal, he is to point leaders. He is to deal with false teachers. One of the things you have to remember that Timothy was a young man. He's called a young man. Now, in that day and time, in the Roman culture, 45 and under was considered a young man. So Timothy was a young man, and you realize that when he went and he was going to talk with these false teachers, when he was going to talk with elders, when he was going to appoint people, when he was going to do those kind of things, many of those men were older than he was. He's got to know how to deal with the older men and the younger men and the older women and the younger women. He's got to know how to do that, and we have to do the same thing as well. Now, one of the keys, and you're going to find it as we go through, is the idea is honor and respect. We honor and respect one another. Listen, I grew up in the South, right? I grew up in Meridian, Mississippi. And in and, and my day, that if anyone was older than you, you said, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, to anyone that was older than you. That's just how you were brought up. Our culture's changed a lot. We'll talk about it more in just a minute. As we begin, let's think about... Uh, what Timothy was supposed to do. He was to deal with false teachers. He was to appoint elders and deacons at places of leadership. He was to give instructions how the church was to function. And he was a young man doing that. Well, let's see what Paul says. Look at chapter 5. Look at verse 1. He says, Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers. So he starts, and let's look first at older men. And he says, first of all, Do not sharply rebuke an older man. 
The word rebuke is really a negative word. It means to censure or be disrespectful. The way it's written in the Greek, it says, do not start doing that. Timothy wasn't doing that, but Paul wrote it in such a way it says, look, don't even start doing that to any of the older men. This word in the Bible, the, the word for rebuke, is always negative. Now, there are times to rebuke people. There are times to say, you're doing something wrong. But you have to do that in a way of honor and respect, especially if it's an older man, because that's what he says. Do not sharply rebuke an older man. In fact, he stresses relationships really as if a family. Because notice what he says. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father. The word appeal means to exhort. It means to come to him as a father. In fact, the Bible always says, what, honor your father and mother. Timothy in leadership had to deal with older men. Some of them false teachers. Some of them he wanted to place in leadership. But he has to know how to deal with them. And in our lives, how do we deal with those who are older than us? And think about it, men. Think about it. Think about older men in your life. How do you deal with them? You never sharply rebuke an older man. Now, you may rebuke him. You may say, I think that's wrong. But you come to him as you would a father. That's what he says here. You remember that when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, we're placed into the family of God. We're brothers and sisters. As many as received him, John 1, 12, to them, he gave the right to become children of God. We're to treat each other as in a family relationship. It doesn't mean we overlook sin, problems, and issues, but we deal with each other in respect. And in this passage, he says, Timothy, as a younger man, when you deal with an older man, you don't rebuke him sharply, but you appeal to him as a father. William Henderson wrote, he says, don't react don't overlook the sin, but Paul desires that the man be treated with respect. Albert Barnes says you come to him as if he was your daddy. By the way, parents are always to be honored. Always. As long as you live. Not as long as they live. Because they, if they died and you keep on living, you still honor your mother and father. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. He says, show respect. Come to an older man as if he is your father. What about younger men? Because that's the next one. And he says, younger men, you come as brothers. You, you, they're like brothers in the Lord. They're like brothers in the family. Notice what he says, to the younger men as brothers. That's how we treat each other. With love and respect as brother and sister. He's talking about here as brother. As, as a younger man, you, you look at a younger man as a brother. Now listen, I want you to understand, Timothy was a younger man. Timothy was in a great place of responsibility. He had been appointed by an apostle. He had a letter written to him. In fact, he had two letters written to him, right? He had two scriptures written to him. You know what he could have said to some of the other younger men? Y'all are not as important as me. I've been set apart by, by God. I've been set apart by Paul. He didn't say that. He said, you treat younger men as if they're your brother. Your brothers. Listen, leadership is always servanthood. It's always servanthood. Peter said that he was a fellow elder. Paul said he was a fellow slave. John said he was a fellow heir. And Timothy, he said, you respect others so what does he say older men come to them as fathers younger men you come to them as a brother but there's more because see it's a family relationship what about women look at verse 2 the older women as mothers and the younger women as sisters in all purity start with the older women he says you come to the older woman as mother you show respect to her we show Respect to them. In our country, listen, here's what's happened, y'all. It's younger people, y'all, you, you're the ones that can make a difference. See, our culture has changed that no longer does this culture value people who are older. 
Our culture looks at older people and say, you know what the best thing to do is just go sit down and get out of the way. There's a lot of things we want to, you don't know how to do this iPod. You don't know how to do this stuff, right? Just set them down. They don't know what they're doing. They're old. And even our culture is saying, you know, we're going to have to do something about health care because these old people are going to kill us all. That's what our culture thinks. What should we do? Older men, you treat them as a daddy. Older women, how do you treat them? You treat them as your mama. The Word of God commands us to show respect to those who are older. Listen to this, Leviticus 19.32, You shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged. There was a time in our culture that when a woman walked in the room, every man stood up. You see that happening right now? What's happened? Where's the respect? He says, listen, you treat the older men like their daddies. You treat the younger men like their brothers. You treat the older women like your mama. What about the younger women? Look what he says. The older women as mothers and the younger women as sisters in all purity. So sisters. And notice he throws that part in there, in all purity. Treat her as you would your sister. The downfall of many men is their relationships with younger women. In this passage, he says, you got a family here. Mamas and daddies and brothers and sisters. And we're all in this thing together. And if there's an older man, you say, he's like my daddy. If there's a younger man, you say, he's like my brother. If there's an older woman, you say, she's like my mama. If, if it's a younger, a younger girl, you say, she's like my sister. That's how we treat each other with respect and honor, especially as it says in that last one, the younger women, in all purity. In all purity. The relationships in the body are really a family. That's what you are, your family. We're the body of Christ. We're family. As many received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God. Paul's mentions of father, mother, brother, sisters shows that he's thinking of the church as family, each member to be treated with, a, with affection and respect. Billy Graham said this, a, a child who is allowed to be disrespectful to his parents will never have true respect for anyone. You know what happens to people if they don't respect their parents? They never respect anyone. They end up in jail. They end up in prison. That's what happens to those people because they never learned respect. Because if you don't learn it at home, then you won't have it as far as the law is concerned, as far as the government, as far as teachers, as far as jobs, as far as bosses. You don't respect anyone. Eventually, you get yourself into trouble. The church is a family. We treat each other with respect. I read this the other day. It said one of the reasons church families are having such trouble is because real families are having such trouble. Bad Savner was a pastor. Uh, he, he's, he's been dead about 20 years. He preached all the way till he was 96. And he always had these one-liners. He said, you know, America is a disaster family-wise. The automobile took the family out of the home, and the TV brought the world into the family. How we treat one another. And you look around this room, do you see each other as brothers and sisters? And you see some of the older ones as maybe mom and dad. And we're going to talk about adopt a student later on toward the very end. And J.J. is going to come up and say some things about it. And we're trying to get some of our college folks to be able to connect with families so that some of these older men in our church can be like dads and some of these older women can be like moms and those kind of things. And we can see each other as brothers and sisters and all those things. It's powerful on how you view people in this body. 
Older men as fathers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, younger men as brothers. It's powerful. One of the questions that sometimes is raised is, uh, how, do you, how do you know if a woman is an uh, older woman or younger woman? You ever thought about that one? Sometimes I'll do premarriage counseling and, and the couple is about ready to get married and there's a passage in Titus that they always read and it says, that I have them read, it says, older women teach the younger women. And so I look at the girl and I say, are you the older woman or the younger woman? And oftentimes they say, I, I guess when I get, be, I get married I'll be the older woman. I said, no, no you won't. She says, okay. I guess when I have children I'll be the older woman. I said, no, no you won't. See, biblically speaking, the older woman is the one whose family is already raised. She's married, she's had her children, and they're raised, and she has some free time to teach the younger women. A younger woman is one who's either single or married and has their children, and their children are still in their home. So when you look at the older women, they're like the moms. And when you look at the younger women, they're like sisters. And when you look at older men, they're like dads. And when you look at younger men, they're like brothers. Now, from this, that's relationships. He moves to an area that you might say right now, you might say, especially if you're young and you're in college, you could say, I don't, I'm not that interested in widows. I'm not that interested in this part. What does that really have to do with me? It has a lot to do with you. Let's look at the passage and let's see what it says. Because he's going to talk about widows. And almost every group of believers has widows. Widows are always special in the Bible. Listen to this. James says that true religion is visiting the orphans and the widows. In the Old Testament, widows were to be taken care of. Psalm 68 verse 5 says, God is the judge for the widows, that if anyone mistreats the widow, God will deal with them. You ready for this one? In the Old Testament, under the, under the Mosaic law, for Jewish men and Jewish families, there was a thing called the Leveret Law of Marriage. That meant this, that if the, old, the older brother married this woman, and if he died without them having children, it was the responsibility of the next oldest brother, if he wasn't married, to marry her. If his brother died, he married her, and they had children, and they named the child after the dead brother. It's called the Leveret Law of Marriage. Now, if you're the second brother in this family, you're looking at who your brother's fixing to marry, right? Because you could be saying something like this. No, 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 no. Or you could be saying, marry her and die, right? <laughs> right? God always takes care of the widows. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it talked about in the provision, there was provision in the church for the widows because they needed food. What does the Bible say we're supposed to do? Realize there are actually two groups. I want to show you this to you. Two groups of widows. There's a widow which is, as, as, has family, children, relatives. That's called widows in the Bible. Then there's ones called widow indeed, which is alone and has no family. And so practically speaking, we're going to see that, that widows have family and they're to be provided by, widows have family and provided by, the, by their own family, their children or grandchildren, but widows indeed, they do not have family and they are to be provided by the church. However, there are certain 
requirements. It has to do with age and it has to do with character. We'll see it in just a little bit. So not all widows come under support by the church. Let's begin. Let's look at the first one. The first one is what we call the widow indeed. Okay. Notice what he says. Honor widows who are widows indeed. Now the word honor means to take care of. It means to respect. It has more of the idea of providing and protecting. And the way it's written in the Greek it literally says keep on honoring. Keep on taking care of the widows indeed. Now remember the widows indeed have no family. And for the church to take care of a widow indeed, there are certain requirements, and we'll see it a little bit later. Okay? They have no family. There's no possibility to remarry. It becomes the church's responsibility. That's that culture. It could even be today that they have no family, they have nobody to take care of them. They're older. There's, 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 there's no help out there. And if they meet certain uh, characteristics and responsibilities, you find that the church is responsible to take care of them. But there's a contrast. Look at verse 4. But if any widow has children or grandchildren. So the next one is a widow is the contrast. And that is, if you go to the next slide, it, they have family to provide for them. Watch. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents. For this is acceptable in the sight of God. So you've got widows indeed who have no family. And if they meet certain requirements, the local body... By your giving, as you give every Sunday, as you give, that money comes in. If there's a widow indeed connected with our church, from that money as you give, we use that to help take care of them. But if a widow has family, as it says, if they have children or grandchildren, the grandchildren and children must first learn to practice piety. And what that means is, in fact, the way he says it in the Greek, he says, now here's the first thing they have to do. The word piety means godliness. They must learn to do godly things. They're talking about the children and the grandchildren. And that is really to take care of the family. It is the family's responsibility to take care of widows if a widow has family. You ready for this? It's not the government. It's not the churches. It's the family who takes care of widows. Notice 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. He says you're supposed to take care of your family. Look down at verse 16. If any woman who is a believer has dependent widows, she must assist them, and the church must not be burdened so that they may assist those who are widows indeed. So if a family... If a widow has family, it's the family's responsibility to take care of the widow. If the widow has no one and has met the the requirements, it's the church's responsibility to take care of them. Notice this verse. It says, if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety, that means righteousness, godliness, in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents. This is acceptable in the sight of God. Do you realize that as a child, you have a responsibility to make return to your parents? What does that mean? It means to give back. See, your parents, from the time you were born, they took care of you and they fed you and they brought you all the way up and gave you clothes and everything. And then you got big and you grew up and you left. They took care of you. There may come a time when that you need to take care of them. That's what he's saying. Now, all of us in this room, you say, I, I, can't, I can't imagine, you know. Many of you say, I can't imagine there's going to come a time I have to take care of my mama. Or I have to take care of my dad, possibly. Oh, I can't picture that right now. But it may happen. Listen, you don't want to know your responsibilities? What's this? Three things. We, as children, have responsibility to our parents. Number one is to obey them. 
Ephesians 6, 2, Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, that means as long as you're under their responsibility, you are to obey them. Now, when you grow up and you're out on your own and you're doing your own thing, you no longer have to obey your parents. But as long as you're under the authority of your parents, you are to obey them. I had a girl call me one time. She, she actually came to see me. She was 24 years old. She was going to OSU, and she was living with her mother. And she came and she said, I'm mad. I said, why are you mad? Well, my mother said, as long as I live there, I have to come in at 12 o'clock. I said, well, she said, well, that's not fair. I'm 24 years old. I ought to be able to come in anytime I want to. I said, do you pay for rent? No. Do you food? No. Uh, who's paying for your school? Well, my mama's helping me pay for school. I said, let me ask you something. Uh, you know, as long as you're under her authority, you've got to do exactly what she says. And she says, come in at 12. You come in at 12. So I don't like that. I said, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you just move out and get your own place, and then you can come in when you want to. She said, that'll cost me money. I said, yeah, it will. It will cost you money. As long as you're under the authority of your parents, you obey them. You obey them. I remember a college girl who I loved. It's been about 15 years ago, but I just absolutely loved her, and she wanted to go on a mission trip. And um, her folks were not believers. She'd come off to college. Uh, came, come to know Christ as Savior, got real fired up, and, and uh, for one of the summer things, she was going to, she wanted to go on a mission trip. And she went to her folks and said, I'd like to go on this mission trip. And what did they say to her? They said, no. We don't think, we think that's a waste of money. She came to me, and she said, well, uh, first of all, I think I ought to get to go on a mission trip if I want to go on a mission trip. This is for God. I said, yeah, it is. It is for God. I said, but your responsibility is to do what? Obey your parents, and they don't understand you right now. They don't understand that you know Christ, and you're excited, and you're growing, and you want to make an impact for Christ. They don't get that yet. And what you need to do is show them that you live by the Scripture, and that you will obey them, even if you want to go on the mission trip, and they don't want you to go. And even if you think you've got the right to go, you can say, Mom and Daddy, I would love to go, but if you don't want me to go, I will honor you and respect you and obey you and not go. She didn't go. Over the next two years, her mom and daddy came to know Christ as Savior. And she got to go on a mission trip when she graduated from college. So you obey your mom and daddy as long as you're under authority. Number two is you honor them. You honor them as long as you live. Honor means to respect them and respect the position. You may say, but you don't know my dad. You don't know my mother. We're not talking about them individually. We're talking about their position. This is the mom and daddy that God has given to you. And you should honor that position for as long as you live. That takes us to the third thing, and that is to provide for them. That's what this passage is talking about here, that it may be that one day your mom is a widow and you are to take care. It may be that your daddy is a widower and you may have to take care of him. It may be that your mom and daddy are still alive, but they get in such situations that you may have to take care of them. That's what you're supposed to do. He says... Let the children and grandchildren learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make return to their parents so this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now, I tell parents this. You better be nice to your children because they decide what nursing home they're going to put you in, right? (laughs) Give back. Two groups. Widows, indeed, provided by the church if they meet the the characteristics and widows who are provided by their family. Now, I want you to see a widow indeed. We'll stop. We're just going to get verse 5, and then we'll stop and get into this. And I'm going to go real quickly through this this morning. We'll get into it next week. Notice this. Now, she who is a widow indeed, 
and who has been left alone, has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. Now it says, here's the one who is a widow indeed. She's been left alone. She has no husband. She has no family. She's by herself. There's no way to be provided for. It says that she has done two things. Notice what it is. One, she has, has her hope fixed on God. Literally says, has been fixed on God. She is trusting God and depending on Him. That's how she's looking at life. She says, I can't do this my own. I have to trust God. Second thing she does, she continues in prayer night, day and night. Bottom line is she has a ministry of prayer that she lifts up request. And do you understand that when a, a widow would be connected with the local body and supported by that local body, she has a ministry within that body. And one of her main ministries is a prayer ministry. So it's pretty powerful. I want you to look at verse 9. Notice there's a list of widows. A widow is to be put on the list only if, and then they list eight things that she must do. Notice what they are. She's got to be at least 60. That one woman type man, do good works, brought up her children, show hospitality, and, and other things. I mean, we'll see that all next week. But I just want you to understand, just because someone is a widow and has no family doesn't mean the church takes care of them. They have to meet certain characteristics. Bottom line, they have to have been a godly person. Now, let me say this. This is not something that they come to the church, they say, I've re- lived a terrible life. I don't have any way of supporting myself. I want the church to support me, and from now on, I'll start living a godly life. That's not what it's talking about. Has already lived a godly life, not just decided they will because they need support. There's a lot there. We'll see more next time. We've looked at relationships within the body. We've talked about older and younger men and older and younger women. The idea is respect and honor and treat as family, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters. We've seen talk about dealing with widows, the widows indeed, what the church provides if if they meet the characteristics, and then the widows who are taken care of by the family. Next time we're going to see some qualifications, characteristics, see some things there. There's a lot in this passage, and it applies to all of us. Applies to all of you. You may say, I'm young. Well, it could be that one day you're going to take care of your mama. That's your responsibility. Or your daddy. Or both of them. We'll see how it fits. Let me give you some applications. Let us treat fellow believers as family. That's what we do. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're brothers and sisters together. We honor and respect and love one another. For an older man, treat him like a dad. For an older woman, treat him like a mom. A, a, a younger man, you treat him like a brother. And a younger girl, you treat, treat her like a sister. And that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We, the key is respect one another. Love your church family. That's what you do. You look at them as family. I always want to warn men, be careful how you treat sisters, sisters in Christ. He says, treat them as sisters. Treat these younger women as sisters with all purity. Now, children, one of the things, and we say, and that's all of us, the relationship to parents, we obey them as long as we're under their authority. We honor them as long as we live. And there may be time that we give back. Second application, let's fulfill our responsibility to the widows. Let's do it. Because if a widow has family, it's the responsibility of the family. If the widow doesn't have family and she's met those requirements, it's the responsibility of the body to do that. That means you have to give. You have to give enough so we can take care of these people. That's what it really boils down to. Great stuff here. May we treat each other with honor and respect as members of the family of God. And may we provide for widows in the body, either by family or by the local church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for all these things that are here. Lord, we just pray, number one,
that we look at each other as, as a family, as brothers and sisters and mamas and daddies, and that we treat older men as dads and older women as moms and younger men as brothers and younger women as sisters, and that we'll show that love and respect and purity and all of those things as we relate to one another. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I especially think about... Uh, uh, People who still have their parents, and then someday it may come that they have to take care of their parents. And, Lord, I just uh, pray for them and that, especially when we think about widows and the responsibility there. Lord, we thank you that your word is clear. It gives us information. It gives us characteristics and all of these things. May we be faithful to do this. Lord, thank you for this. these believers. I love them. Use us, Lord, that we might take your word, and then our lives will be changed. We'll be different people, and we'll be faithful to to serve you and deliver you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.